Chapter Two of Our Homes and Company. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Our Homes and Company being the remarkable adventures of Raffles Holmes, Esquire, detective and amateur cracksman by birth, by John Kendricks Banks. Chapter Two The Adventure of the Dorrington Ruby Seal. Lord Dorrington, as you may have heard, said Raffles Holmes, leaning back in my easy chair and gazing reflectively up at the ceiling, was chiefly famous in England as a sporting peer. His vast estates in five counties were always open to any sportsman of renown, or otherwise, as long as he was a true sportsman. So open, indeed, was the house that he kept, that whether he was there or not, little weekend parties of members of the sporting fraternity used to be got up at a moment's notice to run down to Dorrington Castle, Devonshire to Dorrington Lodge on the Isle of Wight, to Dorrington Hall near Dublin, or to any other country place for over Sunday. Sometimes there'd be a lot of turf people, sometimes a dozen or more devotees of the prize ring, not infrequently a gathering of the best-known cricketers of the time, among whom, of course, my grandfather, A.J. Raffles, was conspicuous. For the most part, the cricketers never partook of Dorrington's hospitality save when his lordship was present for your cricket player is a bit more punctilious in such manners than your turfmen or ringside habitués. It so happened one year, however, that his lordship was absent from England for the better part of eight months, and when the time came for the annual cricket gathering at his Devonshire place, he cabled his London representative to see to it that everything was carried on just as if he were present, and that everyone should be invited for the usual week's play and pleasure at Dorrington Castle. His instructions were carried out to the letter, and save for the fact that the genial host was absent, the house part went through to perfection. My grandfather, as usual, was the life of the occasion, and all went merry as a marriage bell. Seven months later, Lord Dorrington returned, and a week after that, the loss of the Dorrington jewels from the Devonshire strong boxes was a matter of common knowledge. When, or by whom, they had been taken was an absolute mystery. As far as anybody could find out, they might have been taken the night before his return, or the night after his departure. The only fact in sight was that they were gone. Lady Dorrington's diamonds, a half-dozen valuable jeweled rings belonging to his lordship, and, most irredeemable of losses, the famous ruby seal which George the Fourth had given to Dorrington's grandfather, Sir Arthur Deering, as a token of his personal esteem during the period of the Regency. This was a flawless ruby, valued at some six or seven thousand pounds sterling, and which had been cut the Deering arms, surrounded by a garter upon which were engraved the words, Deering Tun which the family, upon Sir Arthur's elevation to the peerage in 1837, took as its title, or Dorrington. His lordship was almost prostrated by the loss. The diamonds and the rings, although valued at 30,000 pounds, he could easily replace. But the personal associations of the seal were such that nothing, no amount of money, could duplicate the lost ruby. So that his first act, I broke in breathlessly, was to send for... Sherlock Holmes, my father, said Raffles Holmes, Yes, Mr. Jenkins, the first thing Lord Dorrington did was to telegraph to London for Sherlock Holmes, requesting him to come immediately to Dorrington Castle and assume charge of the case. Needless to say, Mr. Holmes dropped everything else and came. He inspected the gardens, measured the road from the railway station to the castle, questioned all the servants, was particularly insistent upon knowing where the parlour maid was on the 13th of January, secured accurate information as to the personal habits of his lordship's dachshund Nicholas, subjected the chef to a cross-examination that covered every point of his life from his remote ancestry to his recipe for baking apples, 
gathered up three suitcases of sweepings from his lordship's private apartment and two boxes containing three each of every variety of cigars that lord dorrington had laid down in his cellar as you are aware sherlock holmes in his prime was a great master of detail he then departed for london taking with him an impression in wax of the missing seal which lord dorrington happened to have preserved in his escritoire on his return to london holmes inspected the seal carefully under a magnifying glass and was instantly impressed with the fact that it was not unfamiliar to him he had seen it somewhere before but where that was now the question uppermost in his mind prior to this he had never had any communication with lord dorrington so that if it was in his correspondence that the seal had formerly come to him most assuredly the person who had used it had come by it dishonestly fortunately at that time it was a habit of my father's never to destroy papers of any sort every letter that he ever received was classified and filed envelope and all the thing to do then was manifestly to run over the files and find the letter if indeed it was in or on a letter that the seal had first come to his attention it was a herculean job but that never fazed sherlock holmes and he went at it tooth and nail finally his effort was rewarded under applications for autograph he found a daintily scented little missive from a young girl living at goring steetly on the thames the daughter she said of a retired missionary the reverend james tattersby asking him if he would not kindly write his autograph upon the enclosed slip for her collection it was the regular stock application that truly distinguished men receive in every mail the only thing to distinguish it from other applications was the beauty of the seal on the fly of the envelope which attracted his passing notice and was then filed away with the other letters of similar import ho ho quoth holmes as he compared the two impressions and discovered that they were identical an innocent little maiden who collects autographs and a retired missionary in possession of the dorrington seal eh well that is interesting i think i shall run down to goring streetly over sunday and meet miss marjorie tattersby and her reverend father i'd like to see to what style of people i have entrusted my autograph to decide was to act with sherlock holmes and the following saturday hiring a canoe at windsor he made his way up the river until he came to the pretty little hamlet snuggling in the thames valley if such it may be called where the young lady and her good father were dwelling fortune favored him in that his prey was still there both much respected by the whole community the father a fine-looking really splendid specimen of a man whose presence alone carried a conviction of integrity and a lofty man the daughter well to see her was to love her and the moment the eyes of sherlock fell upon her face that great heart of his that had ever been adamant to beauty a very gibraltar against the wiles of the other sex went down in the chaos of a first and overwhelming passion so hard hit was he by miss tattersby's beauty that his chief thought now was to avert rather than to direct suspicion towards her after all she might have come into possession of the jewel honestly though how the daughter of a retired missionary considering its intrinsic value could manage such a thing was pretty hard to understand and he fled back to london to think it over arrived there he found an invitation to visit dorrington castle again incognito lord dorrington was to have a mixed weekend party over the following sunday and this he thought would give Holmes an opportunity to observe the characteristics of Dorrington's visitors, and possibly gain, therefore, some clue as to the light-fingered person from whose depredations his lordship had suffered. The idea commended itself to Holmes, and in the disguise of a young American clergyman, whom Dorrington had met in the States, the following Friday found him at Dorrington Castle. Well, to make a long story short, said Raffles Holmes, the young clergyman was introduced to many of the leading sportsmen of the hour, and, for the most part, they passed muster but one of them did not, and that was the well-known cricketer, A.J. Raffles. For the moment Raffles entered the room, jovially visiting everybody about him, and was presented to Lord Dorrington's new guest, 
Sherlock Holmes recognized in him no less a person than the Reverend James Tatterby, retired missionary of Goring Street, on Thames, and the father of the woman who had filled his soul with love and yearning of the truest sort. The problem was solved. Raffles was, to all intents and purposes, caught with the goods on. Holmes could have exposed him then and there had he chosen to do so. But every time it came to the point, the lovely face of Marjorie Tattersby came between him and his purpose. How could he inflict the pain and shame which the exposure of her father's misconduct would surely entail upon that fair woman, whose beauty and fresh innocence had taken so strong a hold upon his heart? No, that was out of the question. The thing to do, clearly, was to visit Miss Tattersby during her father's absence, and, if possible, ascertain just how she came into possession of the seal, before taking further steps in the matter. This he did. Making sure, to begin with, that Raffles was to remain at Dorrington Hall for the coming ten days, Holmes had himself telegraphed for and returned to London. There he wrote himself a letter of introduction to the Reverend James Tattersby on the paper of the Anglo-American Missionary Society, a sheet of which he secured in the public writing room of that institution, armed with which he returned to the beautiful little spot on the Thames where the Tattersby's abode. He spent the night at the inn and, in conversation with the landlord and boatman, learned much that was interesting concerning the Reverend James. Among other things, he discovered that this gentleman and his daughter had been respected residents in the place for three years, that Tattersby was rarely seen in the daytime about the place, that he was unusually fond of canoeing at night, which, he said, gave him the quiet and solitude necessary for that reflection which is so essential to the spiritual being of a minister of grace, that he frequently indulged in long absences, during which time it was supposed that he was engaged in the work of his calling. He appeared to be a man of some, but not lavish, means. The most notable and suggestive thing, however, that Holmes ascertained in his conversation with the boatman was that, at the time of the famous Clibden robbery, when several thousand pounds worth of plate had been taken from the great hall, that later fell into the possession of a well-known American hotel-keeper, Tattersby, who happened to be on the river late that night, was, according to his own statement, the unconscious witness of the escape of the thieves on board a mysterious steam-launch, which the police were never able afterwards to locate. They had nearly upset his canoe with the wash of their rapidly moving craft as they sped past him after having stowed their loot safely on board. Tattersby had supposed them to be employees of the estate, and never gave the matter another thought until three days later, when the news of the robbery was published to the world. He had immediately communicated the news of what he had seen to the police, and had done all that lay in his power to aid them in locating the robbers, but all to no purpose. From that day to this, the mystery of the Cliveden plot had never been solved. The following day, Holmes called at the Tattersby cottage, and was fortunate enough to find Miss Tattersby at home. His previous impression as to her marvelous beauty was more than confirmed, and each moment that he talked to her she revealed new graces of manner that completed the capture of his hitherto unsusceptible heart. Miss Tattersby regretted her father's absence. He had gone, she said, to attend a secret missionary conference at Pedwacod in Wales, and was not expected back for a week, all of which quite suited Sherlock Holmes. Convinced that, after years of waiting, his affinity had at last crossed his path, he was in no hurry for the return of that parent, who would put an instant quietus upon this affair of the heart. Manifestly the thing for him to do was to win the daughter's hand, and then intercept the father, acquaint him with his aspirations, and compel acquiescence by the force of his knowledge of Raffles' misdeed. Hence, instead of taking his departure immediately, he remained at the Goring Streetly Inn, taking care each day to encounter Miss Tattersby on one pretext or another, hoping that their acquaintance would ripen into friendship, and then into something warmer. Nor was the hope a vain one, for when the fair Marjorie learned that it was her visitor's intention to remain in the neighborhood until her father's return, she herself bade him to make use of the old gentleman's library, 
to regard himself always as a welcome daytime guest. She even suggested pleasant walks through the neighboring county, little canoe trips up and down the Thames which they might take together, of all of which Holmes promptly availed himself, with the result that, at the end of six days, both realized that they were designed for each other, and a passionate declaration followed which opened a new vistas of happiness for both. Hence it was that when the Reverend James Tattersby arrived at Goring Streetly the following Monday night, unexpectedly, he was astounded to find, sitting together in the moonlight, in the charming little English garden at the rear of his dwelling, two persons, one of whom was his daughter Marjorie, and the other a young American curate, to whom he had already been introduced as A. J. Raffles. "'We have met before, I think,' said Raffles, coldly, as his eye fell upon Holmes. "'I uh, do not recall the fact,' replied Holmes, meeting the steely stare of the homecomer with one of his own flinty glances. "'Hm!' ejaculated Raffles, nonplussed at the other's failure to recognize him. Then he shivered slightly. "'Suppose we go indoors. It is a trifle chilly out here in the night air.' The whole thing, the greeting, the meeting, Holmes's demeanor and all, was so admirably handled that Marjorie Tattersby never guessed the truth, never even suspected the intense dramatic quality of the scene she had just gazed upon. "'Yes, let us go indoors,' she acquiesced. "'Mr. Dutton has something to say to you, Papa.' "'So I presume,' said Raffles dryly. "'And something that were better said to me alone, I fancy, eh?' he added. "'Quite so,' said Holmes calmly. And indoors they went. Marjorie immediately retired to the drawing-room, and Raffles and Holmes went at once to Tattersby's study. "'Well,' said Raffles impatiently when they were seated, "'I suppose you have come to get the Dorrington seal, Mr. Holmes.' "'Ah, you know me then, Mr. Raffles,' said Holmes with a pleasant smile. "'Perfectly,' said Raffles. "'I knew you at Dorrington Hall the moment I set eyes on you, "'and, if I hadn't, I should have known later, "'for the night after your departure Lord Dorrington took me into his confidence "'and revealed your identity to me.' "'I am glad,' said Holmes. "'It saves me a great deal of unnecessary explanation. "'If you admit that you have the seal,' "'But I don't,' said Raffles. "'I mentioned it a moment ago, "'because Dorrington told me that that was what you were after. "'I haven't got it, Mr. Holmes.' "'I know that,' observed Holmes quietly. "'It is in the possession of Miss Tattersby, your daughter, Mr. Raffles.' "'She showed it to you, eh?' demanded Raffles, paling. "'No. She sealed a note to me with it, however,' Holmes replied. "'A note to you?' cried Raffles. "'Yes. One asking for my autograph. "'I have it in my possession,' said Holmes.' "'And how do you know that she is the person from whom this note really came?' Ravels asked. "'Because I have seen the autograph which was sent in response to that request in your daughter's collection, Mr. Ravels,' said Holmes. "'So that you conclude,' Ravels put in hoarsely. "'I do not conclude. I begin by surmising, sir, that the missing seal of Lord Dorrington was stolen by one of two persons, yourself or Miss Marjorie Tattersby,' said Holmes calmly. "'Sir!' roared Ravels, springing to his feet menacingly. "'Sit down, please,' said Holmes. "'You did not let me finish. "'I was going to add, Dr. Tattersby, "'that a week's acquaintance with that lovely woman, "'a full knowledge of her peculiarly exalted character "'and guileless nature, "'makes the alternative of guilt that affects her integrity "'clearly preposterous, "'which, by a very simple process of elimination, "'fastens the guilt, upon all peradventure, on your shoulders. "'At any rate, the presence of the seal in this house "'will involve you in difficult explanations.' Why is it here? How did it come here? Why are you known as the Reverend James Tattersby, the missionary, at Goring Streetly, and as Mr. A. J. Raffles, the cricketer and man of the world, at Dorrington Hall, to say nothing of the Cliveden Plate? Damnation! roared the Reverend James Tattersby again, springing to his feet, and glancing instinctively at the long, low bookshelves behind him, 
to say nothing continued holmes calmly lighting a cigarette of the cloudon plate now lying concealed behind those dusty theological tomes of yours which you never allow to be touched by any other hand than your own how did you know cried raffles hoarsely i didn't laughed holmes you have only this moment informed me of the fact there was a long pause during which raffles paced the floor like a caged tiger i'm a dangerous man to trifle with mr holmes he said finally i can shoot you down in cold blood in a second very likely said holmes but you won't it would add to the difficulties in which the reverend james tattersby is already deeply immersed your troubles are sufficient as matters stand without your having to explain to the world why you have killed a defenseless guest in your own study in cold blood well what do you propose demanded raffles after another pause marry your daughter mr raffles or tattersby whatever your permanent name is i guess it's tattersby in this case said holmes i love her and she loves me perhaps i should apologize for having wooed and won her without due notice to you but you doubtless will forgive that it's a little formality you sometimes overlook yourself when you happen to want something that belongs to someone else what raffles would have answered no one knows he had no chance to reply for at that moment marjorie herself put her radiantly lovely little head in at the door with a may i come in and a moment later she was gathered in holmes's arms and the happy lovers received the reverend james tattersby's blessing they were married a week later and as far as the world is concerned the mystery of the dorrington seal and that of the cliveden plate was never solved it is compounding a felony raffles said holmes after the wedding but for a wife like that hanged if i wouldn't compound the ten commandments i hope i ventured to put in at that point that the marriage ceremony was not performed by the reverend james tattersby not on your life retorted raffles holmes my father was too fond of my mother to permit of any flaws in his title a year later i was born and well here i am son of one grandson of the other with hereditary traits from both strongly developed and ready for business i want a literary partner a man who will write me up as bunny did raffles and watson did holmes so that i may get a percentage on that part of the swag i offer you the job jenkins those royalty statements show me that you are the man and your books prove to me that you need a few fresh ideas come what do you say will you do it my boy said i enthusiastically don't say another word will i well just try me and so it was that raffles holmes and i struck a bargain and became partners end of chapter two recording by todd